from the anthill and bamboo grove. Saha, mental strength, Oja, strength of the senses, Allah, and sufficient bodily strength, Anvitaha, endowed with, Sarava, all, Avayava, the limbs of the body, Sampanaha, fully restored. Vajrasamhananaha, having a body as strong as a thunderbolt. Yuva, young, Utitaha, <coughs> arisen, Taptahemabha, whose bodily luster became like molten gold. Vibhavasu, Fire, Eva, like Edhasaha, from fuel wood. As soon as he was sprinkled with the water from Lord Brahma's water pot, Hiranyakashipu arose, endowed with a full body, with limbs so strong that they could bear the striking of a thunderbolt, with physical strength and a bodily luster resembling molten gold. He emerged from the anthill, a completely young man, just as fire springs from fuel wood. Purport, Hiranyakashipu was revitalized, so much so that his body was quite competent to tolerate the striking of thunderbolts. He was now a young man with a strong body and a very beautiful bodily luster resembling molten gold. This is the rejuvenation that took place because of his severe austerity and penance. This is pretty much storyline here. So we'll go on to text 24. devam hamsavaham upastitam nanama sirasabhumo taddarshanamahotsavaha Seeing Lord Brahma present before him in the sky, carried by his swan aeroplane, Ranyakasipu was extremely pleased. He merely fell flat with his head on the ground and began to express his obligation to the Lord. <laughs> Which Lord? Which Lord? Lord Brahma. Purport. Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, text 23 and 24, Yepe Devata Bhakta Yajante Sradayan Vitaha Te Pima Mevakunteya Yajantya Vidipurvakam Aham Hisava Yajyanam Bhoktacha Prabhurevacha Natu mam abhijananti tat venatas chavantite. Whatever a man may sacrifice to other gods, O son of Kunti, is really meant for me alone. But it is offered without true understanding. I am the only enjoyer and the only object of sacrifice. 
Those who do not recognise my true transcendental nature fall down. In effect, Krishna says, persons engaged in the worship of demigods are not very intelligent. Although such worship is indirectly offered to me. For example, when a man pours water on the leaves and branches of a tree without pouring water on the root, he does so without sufficient knowledge or without observing regulated principles. The process of watering a tree to is to pour water on the root. Similarly, the process of rendering service to different parts of the body is to, fly, is to supply food to the stomach. The demigods are, so to speak, different officers and directors in the government of the Supreme Lord. One has to follow the laws made by the government, not by the officers or directors. Similarly, everyone is to offer his worship to the Supreme Lord only. That will automatically satisfy the different officers and directors of the Lord. The officers and directors are engaged as representatives of the government and to offer some bribe to the officers and directors is illegal. This is stated in Bhagavad Gita as avidi puravakam. In other words, Krishna does not approve the unnecessary worship of the demigods. In Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly stated that there are many types of yagya performances recommended in the Vedic literatures, but actually all of them are meant for satisfying the Supreme Lord. Yagya means Vishnu. In the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly stated that one should work only for satisfying Yagya or Vishnu. The perfectional form of human civilization known as Vanashram Dharma is specifically meant for satisfying Vishnu. Therefore, Krishna says, I am the enjoyer of all sacrifices because I am the Supreme Master. However, less intelligent persons, without knowing this fact, worship demigods for temporary benefit. Therefore, they fall down to material existence and do not achieve the desired goal of life. If, however, anyone has any material desire to be fulfilled, he had better pray for it to the Supreme Lord, although that is not pure devotion, <laughs> in brackets. And he will thus achieve the desired result. Although Hiranyakasipu offered his obeisances under Lord Brahma, he was strongly inimical toward Lord Vishnu. This is the symptom of an asura. Asuras worship the demigods as being separate from the Lord, not knowing that all the demigods are powerful because of being servants of the Lord. If the Supreme Lord were to withdraw the powers of the demigods, the demigods would no longer be able to offer benedictions to their worshippers. The difference between a devotee and a non-devotee or asura is that a devotee knows that Lord Vishnu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that everyone derives power from him. Without worshipping the demigods for particular powers, a devotee worships Lord Vishnu, knowing that if he desires a particular power, he can get that power while acting as Lord Vishnu's devotee. Therefore, 
In the Shastra, Bhagavatam 2.3.10, it is recommended, Akama Savakamova, Moksha Kama Udharadi, Tivrena Bhakti Jogena Yajeta Purushamparam. A person who has broader intelligence, whether he be full of material desires, free from material desires, or desiring liberation, must be all, by all means worship the supreme whole, the personality of Godhead. Even if a person has material desires, instead of worshipping the demigods, he should pray to the Supreme Lord excuse me, so that his connection with the Supreme Lord will be established and he will be saved from becoming a demon or a non-devotee. In this regard, Srila Madhavacharya gives the following quotation from the Brahma Taka. Ekastanaika Karyatvad Vishnu Pradhanyatastata Jivasyatad Adhinatvan Nabinadikritam Vajaha. Since Vishnu is the Supreme, by worshipping Vishnu, one can fulfill all one's desires. There is no need to divert one's attention to any demigod. Timirandasya Gananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmae Sri Gurve Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manom Vistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Svayam Rupakada Mahiyam Tadati Svapadantikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Gurim Yatripa tamaham bande shri gurum dinatavinam. So Oh, excuse me. Hiranyakasipu is an example of a demon, pretty much the archetypal demon. He's worshipping Lord Brahma to get some material benefit. And ultimately he wants to take Lord Brahma's place. He wants to steal his position. So, nasty character. Huh? You see that sometimes people are very respectful to you. They're very respectful to you in person, right? 
but behind your back, they, they're stabbing you in the back. <laughs> they're criticizing and plan, plotting to take over your position. That's what they want. They're all, yes, Prabhu. So this is a pretty nasty character. Well, we call it two-faced. Two-faced. Right? <clears throat> a devotee understands that Krishna is the source of everything. I'm the source of everything. Krishna is the source of everything. And as Prabhupada points out here, Krishna is the source of the power of the demigods. Um, sometimes people come to the temple and they're looking around and they'll say, they're looking for Ganesh. Right? They won't find Ganesh anywhere here. <laughs> but that's... That's odd, that's strange uh, in one sense because many places of worship in India, there'll be a, there'll, Ganesh will be worshipped because he's the, he's the remover of obstacles, right? <clears throat> Especially for those who want to do some puja or, you know. But usually, again, the purpose of worshipping Ganesh is to, you know, get some material benediction, right? And I remember I was sitting here, one girl came to me and she said, she said, where's Ganesh? And I said, well, we have Lord Nishringadev here. And Lord Nishringadev is, is the person who Ganesh worships and from whom Ganesh gets his power. Right? In the Brahma Samhita it's mentioned how Ganesh is worshipping Lord Nishringadev for his potency, Shakti. So... I told her, we don't need to worship Lord Ganesh because we go straight to the person who Lord Ganesh gets his power from. Right? This was a little bit too subtle for her. You know, you know, sparks are going off in her head, couldn't work it out. But that's basically what Prabhupada's saying here. You know, that those who worship the demigods ultimately are worshipping Lord Vishnu because the demigods are devotees. They're servants. Even though they have a high position, even though they have power and influence and can give benedictions to others, they're not the proprietors. They're custodians. Like a teller in a bank. He may be managing millions of dollars. Right? But if he starts thinking as if the money belongs to him and starts using it for his own purposes, he's not going to be a bank teller for very long. Right? <clears throat> and Prabhupada makes a point here, you know, that you, you don't go, well, people do, 
You know, I remember one time in India, uh, we were travelling to Vrindavan in Delhi, and uh, the the bus had picked us up at the airport, and we were driving to um, Vrindavan. And the bus driver was from Vrindavan, but he he didn't know the way. <laughs> he got to the airport, but he didn't know the way back. Right, so he stopped. I saw some policemen on the side of the road, and he they stopped to ask the policeman, you know, where's the Matura Road, right? And so the policeman then asked him for his licence, but he didn't have a licence. <laughs> so we, we were stuck with a bus driver who didn't know the way to the Matura Road and also didn't have a licence. Right? So, oh, boy, great. And it was night time, I think, you know, we wanted to get to Vrindavan. So... Uh, the devotees were begging with the policeman, come on, let us go, you know. So I thought, and that wasn't working. So I thought, okay, I'll just give him some rupees. <laughs> because he's, a lot of the time in India, if the, you know, if it's, if it's um, you know, close to Diwali, or, you know, the policemen are out doing a bit of a pick, <laughs> they stop people and they just basically get a bit of bakshish for for presents for their family. So, <clears throat> so um, I just went and I said, you know, give us some mercy, Gripa. And I gave him 50 rupees each. They said, oh, okay, all right, you can go. <laughs> I said to my wife when I sat back in the bus, I said, these guys are stupid. They could have got 50 rupees from all of us. <laughs> So you know, this is, what's this called? What's that called in plain man's English? What's that called? Huh? Huh? What is it called, Tim? Bribe. It's a bribe. Yeah, it's what we call a bribe. Huh? You know, in India, this this is a normal way of doing business. Sometimes, <laughs> if you want to get things done, you take a bit of extra cash and just. <clears throat> but Prabhupada says here, and, and this is this is what worshiping the demigods and getting material benefits from the demigods. It's like bribing the the director or the what does Prabhupada call him? What does he say here? Uh, yeah, one has to follow the laws made by the government, not by officers or directors. <laughs> so this mood of approaching the demigods for material benefits ignores the reality that the benefits, the potencies, the power, the wealth, the fame, the influence comes from Krishna, ultimately, the demigods are empowered, but their role is as a servant, just like the bank teller is a servant of the branch manager, right? And a branch manager is answerable to the, you know, the head office, and ultimately the head office, the, 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 the CEO is answerable to the board, right? The chairman, the chairman of the board. So... <clears throat> 
we, the demigods, uh, and the demons also, we're all ultimately, what is it? Ekale Ishvara Krishna Arasaba Britya. Krishna is the supreme and we're all his servants. And as servants, we're meant to work according to Krishna's orders, Krishna's plan, Krishna's structuring of the universal affairs. The only problem is, is that most people are in ignorance as to what the universal affairs and what the universal order is. In fact, you know, in this day and age, people don't even think there's an order. Right, you know, the, pop, the, pro, the popularly, proper, popularly uh, accepted speculation is, is that the universe came around as a result of a, of a big bang. Right? A big bang. But, you know, what do you usually get if there's a big bang? What do you get? A mess. <laughs> you don't get order. This is... You know, this is such a bewildering notion that out of a big bang, we now have the order and structure of the universal affairs, of universal affairs. You know, that's like, that's like having an explosion in a printing shop, right? right. And out of that explosion comes a, you know, just let's just have one page of the Bible. Right. <laughs> have an explosion in a printing shop and then get a page of a book. Forget about a whole book. Let's just get one page. That's just impossible. That's nuts. Right? But people don't have enough information. They, you know, they're fed this kind of... Um, propaganda, right? Uh, and and believe it for want of a for want of a of a of a proper well a, a proper description and a proper understanding of things. And so you know when people read read the description of the of universal affairs in the Srimad Bhagavatam, they're bewildered because it's so. Um, juxtaposed to what they're being taught in, in, the, in the so-called modern education. So, and, and of course that's why we have the Vedas, why we have the instructions of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and why the Bhagavatam is so important for the, for the, the Chaitanya Vaishnavas the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, because the Bhagavatam gives us insight into the purpose and the order and the structure. Right? And, and we're learning here, you know, the potency of austerity, for example, right? Lord Brahma performed great austerities and as a consequence, he came out rejuvenated, but of course the rejuvenation was limited and temporary it didn't last he wanted to be immortal live forever 
won't be killed in this way, won't be killed in that way, can't be killed by this one, can't be killed by that one. Not inside, not outside. It's a whole, he cooked up a whole bunch of orders. Right? Right, then went to Lord Brahma and said, you know, give me this, give me that, give me the other thing. Right? Hoping that he would be immortal, right? that he would never have to die. But what happened? He was tricked, ultimately. You know, the material world, it's inevitable that you have to die. You can't, it's just the laws of existence. In a material world, you have to die. Despite the austerities that you perform, despite the knowledge, the, the, the wealth, the influence, the power that you accumulate in a material world, it, it is, it's all destined to be destroyed. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to see my house the other day. And um, I always have friendly conversations with the Jehovah's Witnesses. <clears throat> the first thing they said to me is, you're a Hare Krishna. I said, how did you work that out? <laughs> they have to take a different, when it, when it comes to Hare Krishnas, they have to take a different tack, you know, they can't. And um, so we were sharing some realizations and then they said, you know, that we're, we're waiting for the day when, when God will come and turn the material world into, into the spiritual world, into paradise, basically, right? And I said to them, I said, look, I think that's a bit optimistic. <laughs> yeah, the material world is designed as a place where you have to be born, you have to... Jama mitu juraviyati. You know, it's just designed like that. We need to get out of this place and go to the spiritual world. That's where we're... And I said, no, no. Uh, Jesus will come again and... You know, their philosophy or their theology is that Jesus will come again and then there are certain people selected to live in heaven on earth, right? Uh, I had to point out that that's generally not what's... That's not... <laughs> the material world's just can never be perfect. It's designed that way to remind us and to give us impetus to inspire us to get out of here. Uh, it's not a place to stay in. And it's wishful thinking, you know, to dream that one day we'll all live forever. History has, you know, if history teaches, if history is anything to, to be guided by, then, um, you know, I think we have a fairly good chance of expecting to leave this body. It's a natural cycle. So, Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, the Vedas, you know, Veda means knowledge. The Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Nectar of Devotion, for us, they teach us the basics. All you need to know about purpose and effort and action is all described in, in that um, literature. 
so valuable, so important, because it's the key to going to that state of perfection. Uh, this, is, this is what, um, I guess you could, what do we call it? Liberation theology, I suppose. You know, this, and, and this is the de- desire of the living entity. Let's get out of this place of suffering and let's go to the place of perfection. Huh? This is what everybody wants. So, um, the Bhagavatam demonstrates how to do that. The, the beauty of the Bhagavatam, and and um, you know, and it demonstrates what the perfection of that uh, existence is by illustrating the spiritual realm and the activities that go on there, the the pastimes of. Uh, the residents of the spiritual world. And, and by being attracted to those pastimes, becoming absorbed in those pastimes, the, uh, according to the message of the Bhagavad Gita, you know, whatever we think of at the time of death, that's the state of being that we'll attain without fail. So the, the practice of the devotee is to remember Krishna's pastimes in the spiritual world so that when he leaves this body, according to his meditation, he goes to the spiritual realm. Well, it's pretty simple. But difficult to understand. So the the demons or the, the asuras worship the powerful demigods thinking that they're they're all in all but they're not. And so in the process of worshipping the demigods, they get limited and temporary benedictions or boons. But the real purpose is, is to worship Krishna. And the boons and the benedictions that Krishna gives are all provided in such a way so that the ultimate goal is leaving the material world, not accumulating material benefits, Although Prabhupada says here, you can do that, right? If you want to worship somebody, worship Krishna. Right? If you, and even if you want material uh, prosperity. Right? Anybody here enjoy poverty? You may be enjoying it, but do you enjoy it? <laughs> so what does Prabhupada say here? Where, does he, where is that? He, um. Yeah, here. If, however, anyone has any material desires to be fulfilled, anybody here got material desires? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, better pray for it to the Supreme Lord. <laughs> but then in brackets, Prabhupada says, Although that is not pure devotion. (laughs) But pure devotional service is not so easily attained. Right? Not so easily attained. In fact, most of the tests that we experience in our spiritual life is the purification of those material motivations. Right? But there's a process. And the process is worship Krishna. Right? Worship 
the devotees. Not for material benefits, but for just service. Right? The whole Bhagavad Gita really is an exposition of the, of the practice of, or, or the development of pure devotional service. That's what the Bhagavad Gita effectively teaches in, in a variety of ways. You know, it's very interesting in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna gives the highest, right? You know, become my devotee, basically. And, and render service to me out of love, ultimately, out of bhakti, right? But at the same time, Krishna gives Arjuna some mundane advice. Look, if you don't want to be criticized by people, then you better fight, right? Which is just... You know, it's just a mundane piece of advice, really. Right? Uh, what could be worse? What could be worse for a chhatriya than dishonour? <laughs> so, you know, that's not really spiritual advice in one sense. Right? It's just practical <laughs> common sense, right? So, um, there are a variety of instructions you know, perform karma yoga, perform jnana yoga, perform dhyana yoga, perform bhakti, ultimately, the, the highest instruction. And it's interesting, Krishna gives Arjuna a choice. What do you want to do? Now decide what you want to do, right? So we're given choice, not like we're forced. But what is recommended in the Bhagavad Gita, ultimately, what is recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam by the examples of all of the devotees that are given is to render service to Krishna. And if we're in that clearing stage of devotional service, then just do our service. Despite the fact that we may have material desires or not. Right? It, it, it doesn't matter. Because the process of bhakti will purify us. We'll become purified over time. So, and, and this, is, this is the proper um, methodology for making material advancement and spiritual advancement. Even Prabhupada mentions, you know, the, the the material prosperity of a devotee will improve, even if he's a devotee, right? And render service to Krishna without any material uh, motivation, he'll still be looked after, right? We see that, devotees, like, like um, uh, we, we've engaged a, a, um, a new, um, accountant to work in the um, treasury and uh, I was talking to him yesterday and I gave, gave him some uh, nearly $2,000 and um, I said to him you know it's amazing how people just give you money <laughs> and I said well they probably don't give you money he said no they don't <laughs> <laughs> For the ordinary Joe, Joe Blow, right? You know, people just don't walk up to them and give them two thousand dollars. But uh, over the last couple of days, 
And Ginger Ripper and I were given equivalent of about $7,000, right? By two devotees, just get, and it was for the, for the deities. It's not for us, obviously, and that, that's the difference, right? We are given money, but why are we given money? No, they're not giving it to us. Actually, they're giving it for Krishna's service. And I, and I said, to, I said to him, I said, isn't it amazing how much people appreciate that the temple? This is a sign of how much people appreciate the worship of Radha Balaba because we ju they just gave us seven thousand dollars. You know, this is for deity worship. Sets of uh, a set of clothes for the deities. Um, so, devotees are given because of the devotional service that they're performing. Then people recognizing that will give them support, right? Encouragement. And and um, so we see. By the practical performance of devotional service, we're, we're given support, right? And the reason why people will give it to us is because we use it in Krishna's service, not that we take it for ourselves. When you start taking it for yourselves, then you're in trouble, you know? Yeah. So, but you, the, the, the Prabhupada gives the example. If you're the servant of the king, then you live in the king's palace. Huh? You wear good, nice clothes, you eat good food, um, you drive in a nice chariot. <laughs> you know, you get looked after. If you're the servant of the king, then the servant of the king gets looked after. So long as he maintains that mood, maintain the mood of being a servant, you'll be looked after. Right? So, but a demoniac, the Asuric, wants these things for himself, right? And so we see that in this mood here of Hiranyakashipu. He's worshipping Brahma, but he wants it for him. He, and for, he wants Brahma's position, right? This is the, the nature of the demons. They want to take over God's position. That was what he wanted. Huh? Whereas a devotee may have some material desires, but they'll be purified if the devotee f follows the process of, of bhakti and renders service to Krishna and surrenders. Huh? This is the instruct, you know, last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita. What's the last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita? Hmm? What's the last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita? <laughs> yeah, Krishna, Krishna looks after his devotees. Yeah. But Savadamam Parichaja Mamikam Shavanambraja. Kind of. It's not actually the last instruction because. There are some instructions after that, right? There was no one more dear to me than he who teaches this knowledge to the devotees, right? So there, and as you say, um, Sanjaya's, it's Sanjaya's statement, isn't it? That wherever there's Krishna and Arjuna, then there's opulence and victory and, yeah. Which supports what I'm saying, basically. You know, if you're a devotee, 
You'll get looked after. You'll have opulence. You'll have, you'll have shakti, right? But it's bhakti shakti. Huh? And the devotee knows that, you know, this, what is it? Idam Krishnaya, idam namama. This is the, the, the meditation should be. This is for Krishna, it's not for me. Then the devotee will be empowered. He'll be given, you know, the, he'll be given facilities to serve Krishna by Krishna's arrangement. But the demons, yeah, they want, they're planning and thinking, how can I get it for myself? And they know if I worship Krishna, I, I won't get any of these things fulfilled. You know, Krishna fulfills the desires of the devotees, but at the same time, he smashes them. <laughs> any material pride, any material desires, Krishna works in such a way so that to remove those so it's a process of purification. You know, I was thinking about that song, My Sweet Lord, by George Harrison, right? And one of the things that George Harrison writes in that song is, what is it? Uh, it takes so long, right? It takes so long. Well, Prabhupada makes a comment more than once in the Bhagavatam that it only takes a moment to surrender to Krishna right? and be then connected to Krishna. It doesn't take so long. The reason why it takes so long is because we stubbornly hang on to our material desires. Right? But Krishna gives us an opportunity at almost at every moment to be purified and to become a better devotee. Right? And of course that's the process of bhakti is to ultimately be purified step by step, slowly, slowly, surely, uh, you know, and determinately will be will be purified. So, um, this this example here, Ranyakashipu, is you know an example of how not to be, you know how not to do things. Basically, that's why we study, and and of course who's who is Hiranyakashipu contrasted or compared to? Who, who are the two characters in this pastime? Prahlad, that's right, Prahlad. We've got Hiranyakashipu, the father, who's supposed to be the leader, the example, but he's not. And then we have the son. And what characteristic, what characteristic do we see strongly manifest in, a, in, in the personality of Prahlad? What do we see? Yeah, but in that, in, that's true, yes, to be surrendered to Krishna. But in that surrender, what, what do we see in his character? Huh? Not fearful, yeah. What else? What else do you th what else do we see in the character of Prahlad despite um, provocation and and um, persecution basically? 
Determination, yeah, what else? Faithful, yeah, very faithful, what else? Important quality of a devotee. Starts with a T, a T. Tolerant, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, tolerant, tolerant. Tatikshava, which is what Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, second instruction. You know, you're not the body, uh, you're an eternal spirit soul. The material world is temporary, but you have to tolerate it, right? Uh, yeah. So, even if you've got material desires, or even if you have no desires, or if you're desiring liberation, Prabhupada quotes this verse here. And, and you know, most of us have some desires. So Prabhupada um, mentions this verse in the Bhagavatam. The, the purpose of life is to worship Krishna, not the demigods. And uh, the goal is to develop pure bhakti, pure devotional service. And, and the means to achieve that is by practicing the process of bhakti. And um, even if you have material desires, and most of us have, that's not unusual, then the way to uh, become purified is to render that service to Krishna and, and be detached or cultivate detachment. Huh? And... and uh, Prabhupada, in the, in the last, the last, sent, the last uh, verse that he quotes here, Eka stanoika karyatvad vishno pradhanyatas tata jivasyatad adinatvan nabinadikritam vachaha. Vishnu is the supreme. By worshipping Vishnu, one can fulfil all one's desires. There is no need to divert one's attention to any demigod. Okay, any comments or questions? The, regarding the conversation you mentioned with the Jehovah's Witness, um, I remember once uh, Prabhupada said that I don't find any difference between Bible or teachings of Bhagavad Gita. Uh, but as per my understanding, there is, and what you said as well, that they expect this material world to be a spiritual world and they don't have concept of... Make the material world perfect. Yes, so isn't yeah, that a... That is the... How can we understand? <clears throat> oh. Well, I think it's fairly clear that 
there are various interpretations of the scripture, right? And this interpretation of the Abrahamic scripture, you know, the Bible, that the material world will become perfect is at odds to what we learn in the Bhagavatam, right? The essential teachings are the same or very similar, right? But some details are quite um, different. They're different. And that interpretation, and of course, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses' interpretation of the Bible is uh, challenged by many of the Christian denominations. the, The Jehovah's Witnesses are controversial even amongst the Christians. Right? They are. Generally really nice people. See, I told them, I said, you know, I, when I was 10, living in um, a little town called Mount Burr in South Australia, then one of my, my best friend at school was from a family of wit- Jehovah's Witnesses. Huh? And um, so I, I had an exposure to the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, from a young age, right? and um, and of course they're very challenging because they go door to door. That's why they're called witnesses, because you know, they go and witness. They tell people, "You should surrender to God." <laughs> That's challenging enough as it is. They go and knock on your door and they say, "You should chal- you should serve Jesus and God." And most people are like, "What? Hey, what? <laughs> Don't disturb me. Go away." Right? So, uh, very, of course, you know, and at that time there was this prediction by the followers of the Jehovah's Witnesses, but their leaders, that there was going to, that the uh, the end was, the, the annihilation of the material world was about to happen, right? And, um, they went up to, at the back of Mount Burr, there was a, there was a mount, there was a big hill called Mount Muirhead. Or was it Mount Muirhead? Uh, anyway, there was a, so they all went up the top of that hill waiting for the, you know, the end time, right? Of course, it never came. They had to come down again and go back to work. <laughs> a bit embarrassing. Right? Oops, oh, okay, well, maybe it's gonna happen later, obviously. So, uh, challenging, that would have been challenging for those, those personalities. Um, so yeah, we, you know, even within the Christian tradition we see different interpretations of, this, of what this, what's going on, huh? what, what's being taught. Um, and even even in even in the Hindu tradition, people are reading the same texts, right, and coming up with very different explanations for it. So it's not this is quite common in religious traditions that, and 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 why we have a parampara, and why Krishna says 
the parapara gets lost, right? Yada yada hidamasya glanir bhavati bharata bhutanamada masya tadapmanam sajamiyam. So, um, Prabhupada says the scripture essentially teaches the same message, right? But the there are the various interpretations come about because of the the reader or the readers who get a different message. Huh? There's that famous poem about I can't, which I can't remember, sir. But you know about how. Um, we study the same book, we study the same text, but you see black and I see white. <laughs> right? or, or, you know, classic, look, look at the, um, the troubles in Ireland, you know, from an Anglo perspective, that the Protestants fighting with the Catholics or in India, you know, the Muslims flying with the Hindus. Although that's slightly different because obviously different scripture, right? But in, in the fighting in Ireland between the Protestants and the Anglicans, they're all Christians, you know, love thy neighbour. <laughs> do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So what are they doing? They're fighting and killing each other. Because it's... Well, it's peaceful now. But for many centuries, there's conflict between them. And, and of course, you know, it's not actually a conflict between the religious traditions. It's actually just a fight over who's going to be in charge in reality. Yeah. So that's why, um, why we study the Shastra, study the Bhagavatam, study and, and that's why the spiritual master is so important because there are so many interpretations of the same text right that's why you have you need a teacher to explain the application of the theory First of all, understand the theory properly, then how to apply it, right? Because how many people are there who worship demigods in India? How many people are there who worship demigods? You reckon, percentage-wise? What do you reckon? 50%? More, yeah. Now where do they get that idea from, right? When Krishna says, surrender unto me, in the Bhagavad Gita, right, you know, there's so many places where Krishna says, surrender unto me, but they're not. They're surrendering to the demigods. And Krishna says, that's not the way to do it. Avidi Puravakam. Right? It's against the actual system. But how come there's so many people doing it? It's because the interpretation of the Shastra has come through a break in the parampara. Right? 
Right? So why the spiritual master is so important, and we see why Prabhupada's position is so important, because Prabhupada clearly established Krishna's in charge. Ekale Ishvara Krishna Arasaba Bricha. Everybody is Krishna's servant. He is the one controller. We're his servant. What do you think? Anything else? About that uh, George Harrison song, My Sweet Lord, you mentioned. Yes. It may take long, but Prabhupada said it. Right well, here in this room, Prabhupada said, it takes a moment. It uh, takes a moment. Yeah, it's only our surrender. Yes, how, Prabhupada how, says it takes a moment. And we're thinking, oh, hang on a second, I'm just trying to work out what... I'm trying to approach that moment. <laughs> it's, uh, it's our material attachment that delays. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It need not take so long. If we're thinking, let me become a better devotee. What do I need to do now to become a better devotee? Huh? What do I need to do in the next moment? To surrender effectively, we need to maintain that. But you know, we're so we're kind of like, hang on a second, I've been surrendering for so long now. Now it's time to look after me. <laughs> Not realizing that Krishna will look after us. Yeah. Did you want to say something, Hayagriva? No? It's just you got the microphone now. You have to speak. <laughs> Okay, Gantaraj Shimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Sarah Prabhupada Ki Jai, Gaurabhaktaminda Ki Jai.